This is Behind the Series, a reoccurring series about the shows featured on this very podcast. Radiotopia presents from Tada Radiotopia. I'm Mark Pagan, the host and creator of the podcast Other Men Need Help and a producer here at Radiotopia. Radiotopia is out here still doing something that's foundational to podcasting, supporting independence and pushing the boundaries of what audio storytelling can do. And that's why you may be here today listening to Radiotopia Presents, specifically a place that encourages new voices in the field, explores creativity, and celebrates the podcasting medium through limited-run series. Every year, the whole network comes together to ask our listeners for their support. Donations help keep the Radiotopia shows you know and love going strong, and they also help us bring new shows into the network and into this podcast feed right here. And for this year's fundraiser, we wanted to try something a little different. To celebrate our fundraiser, shows across the network are releasing bonus episodes on the theme Making Trouble. Everyone's interpreting this differently, but definitely in the style of the shows you love from Radiotopia. And we're doing the same today here on Radiotopia Presents. So if you want to hear more of these Troublemaker episodes, learn more about what we're doing, and donate to support our work, go to radiotopia.fm. And now, here's our take on Making Trouble. Right now, I'm standing in a hallway closet with boxes of holiday ornaments, and I'm in here because it's the quietest place in my apartment to record, even though I live next to an expressway, and sometimes while I'm recording even this intro, I have to stop tons of times because I live next to an expressway. This is a lot for me, and I'm sure it's the same for other producers who sometimes have to make do by squeezing into a closet full of, let's say, Christmas ornaments bought during a trip to Graceland. There are a lot of challenges that can come up when making a podcast, And today in this episode, we're going to look at the moments that cause trouble for some of your favorite series from Radiotopia Presents. From gearing yourself up to get pretty vulnerable on mic, to the simple act of making a phone call. Damon, you sound clear as a bell. Is that your landline? Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on my landline, of course. How about you? Yeah, I'm just on my phone. How do I sound? You sound good, as always, Ian. This is Ian Koss and Damon Krukevsky. Ian and Damon worked together on 2017's Ways of Hearing, the very first series of what was then called Showcase, now known as Radiotopia Presents. Ways of Hearing explored the ways listening had changed in our ever-present digital world. When we caught up, Damon was telling Ian about his mother's recent landline woes, which was actually super topical for the troublemaking issue they faced in making the series. And I keep saying to her, something's wrong with your phone, something's wrong with your phone. And just this week, AT&T switched her service, and then her phone just went out completely. It, like, disappeared. But anyway, an irony, because, as you remember, we have my mom on the phone in episode three, I think it is, of Ways of Hearing. So we were working on this episode that was, I think, at that time, it was titled Love. And we were interested in the human voice and intimacy and how you know, the grain of the voice, the quality of the voice, the quality of the audio of the voice affects us emotionally, you know, when we hear it. 
at some point it just felt really uh, intuitive and almost obvious that Damon should talk to his mother. I was so reluctant is my memory. I didn't want to drag my mom into it at first. And then also I just kept thinking, oh, it's so cheesy to like call your mom on the radio or on a podcast. And I remember saying that to you guys and you were saying back to me, it's radio gold to have your mother on the phone. <laughs> Which, of course, like, I think made me even more stubborn because I was kind of like, yeah, that's just the problem. I just didn't want it to be a cliche. So I capitulated, and I'm so glad I did because in the end, it was a, it was was it's one of the highlights for me of the entire thing. Let's see. Does that work? Yes. Yeah, right? Do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Do you hear me? Yes, absolutely. It sounds even better than our phone, yeah. <laughs> My mother's a jazz singer, Nancy Harrow. She was pregnant with me when she posed for the cover of her second album for Atlantic Records in 1963. The photo's carefully cropped so no one could tell. The sky was blue and high above. I'm sure my mother sang to me as much as talked when I was a baby. One of my earliest memories is her singing a Nat Adderley tune while keeping time on the soles of my feet. Now I reckon that ought to get it because I'm working. I'm working. Right. It's just that I liked it and it was very rhythmic. And when I would be changing you or something, that's what they would do. <laughs> yeah, so you would play it on my feet What were you, while you were changing me? Do you think my memory goes back that far? Of course, I think it does. No wonder I became a drummer. I think the lesson I learned in terms of broadcast and, and podcast and scripting was that you guys were showing me the way toward was that we had to find a way to demonstrate in sound what I was talking about. You know, but we didn't have an illustration that was personal yeah. for me. And that's yeah. what you guys were urging me on. It was like we've got to illustrate it. You gotta have you gotta show it and not just talk about it. And that was a really important lesson that you two were guiding me through. Like I mentioned earlier, Ways of Hearing was the first series on this feed, and maybe set the stage for subsequent series on Radiotopia Presents. And that includes a wide range of creative storytelling and sometimes surprising, troublemaking issues that come with making a podcast, limited series or not. And now I'm going to step out of the way and let the producers tell you their stories and their woes from the last five years of making series for Radiotopia Presents. Starting with Afia Kicheri, creator of the most recent series, Shithole Country. Episodes five through eight, hands down, were super tough. And it was because I was getting very vulnerable in in the last half of the series. Um, I, I just kept going to a place in every single episode that I don't love to go to in my normal life, <laughs> my normal non-Afia life. And I didn't fully appreciate like how much time I would need to say something hard, like the veranda scene at the end of episode five when I'm talking about whiteness and my feelings about it. I didn't realize how much time I would need to say a hard thing and then 
step away from it. Huh. Wow. I've lost a story I've known for over half of my life. I didn't realize how comfortable I'd gotten with it. No. I wanted the whiteness. And then, you know, like, am I actually okay with this going on the air, being out in public? Yeah. I'm Matthew Schifrin, creator of Blind God Travels, which premiered in May of 2021. Though the show was a blast to bake, we had just one little problem. I finished writing all my scripts on my Braille computer for the show, and then it was time to record them. So I get into the studio, my computer is on me, the red light is on, the engineer says, ready. I take my first breath, and my computer crashes. And this is not the kind of crash where if you restart it, everything fixes itself. No. This is the kind of crash that erases your most sensitive information and makes sure that it'll never see the light of day again. So panicking, I call up the company that makes it, and I said, Hey guys, my computer just erased all my data, what do I do? And they said, Oh yeah, that happens sometimes, it spontaneously combusts and all your documents will be permanently erased. And I said, Guys, this wasn't even in the manual! And so I'm panicking, and I tell my producer, hey, I don't know how I'm going to record these scripts. What do I do? And he says, well, I guess you're going to have to memorize them. So then I start getting flashbacks to Russian lessons I took as a child, which basically consisted of you having to memorize Russian poems from the 18th and 19th centuries and recite them in front of the entire class. Etc. Etc. And so I set about memorizing each and every script, figuring out whether the sentences are in the right order, and making sure I memorize them that way, memorizing where all the commas and periods are, where there shouldn't be pauses, and most importantly, where there should be pauses. And miraculously, I do it. Six episodes worth of script get memorized and recorded, and hey, the show's out, so that's proof enough, isn't it? Hi, my name is Todd Lovato. I am one of the co-producers of The Polybius Conspiracy, which was released in 2017. And I'm John Frechette, the co-creator and host of The Polybius Conspiracy, a seven-episode miniseries that blended fact and fabrication to investigate a notorious urban legend up here in the Pacific Northwest about a sinister 80s arcade game. What made trouble for us in making the Polybius Conspiracy was trying to honor and preserve the urban legend and uh, trying to make people come away satisfied with that experience. See, the thing is, if you go too far in one direction and try to solve it, uh, which people think that they really, really want, uh, it's a bit like draining Loch Ness. And aside from not wanting to definitively dispel the Polybius urban legend, from a story perspective, I think any writer of mysteries knows that the solution is often far less compelling than the crime itself. You know, you take this great setup and then by the end, it's all about this person killing that person over some money or 
something like that. And with Polybius, the story touched on all these fascinating real-life circumstances, and the story threads go in all these different directions that are so tantalizing, even the ones that are dead ends. It's a combination of real facts and false memories and exaggeration and causation and correlation and some mischief. So our idea was to present the real story, add in our embellishments and try to maintain the mystery. As designed, there was going to be no answers. There was going to be no aha moment. We wanted the audience to figure things out for themselves. And surely this is going to be like a recipe for success. Or as we found out, maybe not. You know, when Todd and I started down the Polybius rabbit hole, chasing these various threads, I, I don't think either of us could have foreseen that one day we'd look up and close to eight years would have gone by. Um, so the obsessive nature of what you hear in the show was, for us, very real. I think really similar to Bobby in our series, it's easy for a lot of storytellers to become so tunnel-focused that they have a really hard time, like, seeking healthier pursuits, you know, whether it's, like, personal relationships or job opportunities or stability. You know, I think in our case, even in spite of knowing that, it can sometimes be really hard letting that thing or, or that obsession go. And uh, I couldn't be prouder of what we made, but there was certainly a cost. Hi, this is Julia Barton, co-host of the Radiotopia Presents series, Space Bridge. Our four-part documentary came out in the spring of 2019. It's about the rise and fall of DIY diplomacy in the late Cold War. We all know now how the Cold War supposedly ended. The Soviet Union dissolved in late 1991, and then the global economy and global internet made instantaneous communication across the world into something blasé. But we wanted to transport listeners back to the feeling of the early 80s and the surrealism of that time. To do that, we had to get weird. It wasn't enough to just tell the timeline of events. Sometimes we needed to mash events together. Here's a clip from the end of the second episode where we tried to do that. You'll hear the Soviet host of a hopeful early space bridge He's in the state TV studios in Moscow with a children's choir. Look, we have exactly three minutes left at this point. So look, what I suggest we do now is we can all join in a song together. We're going to try to sing it in English. We hope you know it, because if you don't, then you can sing something in Russian for us. If not now, then next time. There wouldn't be a next time. UC San Diego did have another space bridge with Posner set up for September but it got canceled. The United Nations Security Council met in emergency session this afternoon with South Korea demanding an On September 3rd, a Soviet missile downed a Korean air passenger jet that strayed into Soviet airspace. All 269 passengers died, including several children and Georgia Congressman Larry McDonald. As a crowd of several hundred Korean Americans burned the Soviet flag outside the United Nations, demanding the Security, Security Council, Council condemn, condemn Moscow, Moscow. Inside Later that fall, NATO war games in Europe so alarmed the Andropov regime that the Soviets came as close as they ever have to authorizing a nuclear attack. 
Add to that, Soviet embassy employees in the U.S. were seeing trailers on TV for an upcoming film about a nuclear attack on middle America. The day after, to air on ABC, November 20th, 1983. The Politburo thought the film looked like anti-Soviet propaganda. American hardliners said it looked like pro-Soviet propaganda. But whatever it was, just the trailer alone cast a dark shadow across the already dark fall of 1983. But if we think a good way to end this would be in music. So if you have nothing against The bright optimism of the first Space Bridges felt like a distant memory. In the fall of 1983, track one diplomacy with the USSR was on life support. Track two was just a fragile experiment. But the day after, that could bring us back to, well, no one knew. Who are you? So my name is Mohammed Elab, and I'm uh, I was a co-host and a producer of uh, Radio Topa Showcase Secrets. And you? My name is Martin Johnson. Uh, I co-host and produced the series with you. That was four years ago. We're we're based in Stockholm, uh, Sweden, and this was our first major international series that we did, and uh, we're still talking about it now, four years later. Yeah, and. What, th- considering the amount of time, Mohammed, that actually has passed, I mean, more more children, more grey hair, more programs under under the river, under the bridge. I mean, what do you remember? Is there anything that strikes you? I remember that we got one story that I had to go to London and interview an undercover cop. I was trying to get an angle how it was to live a, a normal life. And, and at the same time being undercover as a uh, her- heroin addict. So sort of a parallel life perspective. Yeah. And this story was kind of like uh, how much we do to get that story that we want to tell. So pretty much I went to London. I was to do, supposed to do this interview with Neil Woods. It was pretty close to the deadline of uh, delivering the series to Radiotopia. All of a sudden I got an email for Neil, when I'm in London, I'm sitting in my hotel room. He said, uh, "I got, I need to cancel the interview. I got, you know, something come up, came up, so I can't, I can't really tell you what it is. But this was on a Wednesday. He said, uh, but you can interview me in Oslo, 
uh, on a Friday and I called you. Yeah, I remember this this phone call that you were in London. You you met an MI6 agent and now we were trying to chase the undercover police. And because one of the things that I find still so compelling, uh, which which I I still think is the most intriguing thing about this series is that we all have we all have secrets and so potentially we could talk to anybody in the world but we try to pinpoint those people whose secrets had the biggest consequences or could tell us most of what it means to be human and so I guess that's why when you call from London saying look I need to go to Oslo and I looked at the deadline and I said well just do it uh, and the sigh that you 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 and I could hear it all across the the Atlantic it, it, I was it, pretty tired it, you I were pretty, pretty tired. tired yeah but it it, it was worth it yeah and you know, I didn't know if he was a good storyteller so I was like it was so much on stake and we went to the hotel room and it happened to be like Neil was like such a wonderful storyteller so he really could tell his story clothing, but he brought some other people with him I've not met before so even though he was comfortable with me and I was comfortable with him these were a bit suspicious of me He said to me, um, "Well, while I'm here, do you want something else?" And I says, "Well, if you carry in white, I'll have a, I'll have a twenty stone off you." So he starts cutting up this massive block of crack cocaine in his car. But while he's doing that, one of his gangster mates comes up to me and starts push pushing me up against this wall and starts looking through my clothes and looking at my buttons. And then he found the camera. I know he's looking at the camera, and he says, "Can I swear?" Yeah. He says, "Fucking hell, man." He's heat. He's fucking five o, man. I'm telling you, he's heat. The gangster that I that I know well, he says, "No, man, I've known him for months. He's he's cool, man. He's cool." He's saying, "I'm fucking telling you, he's fucking wide up. He's fucking heat." I thought, I'm in a secluded car park, a long way from anywhere, and I know the caliber of these gangsters. I know how bad these are. I knew I was in trouble. It, it was a fantastic moment, and it, it was worth you know going around Europe chasing Neil Woods for that story, and the things we do for a story, isn't that Martin? Yeah, the things we love. I remember editing the tape. It was it was exquisite. So there you have it. Some of the troubles that led to some of the series you love on Radiotopia Presents. Tons of lessons to be learned here. Use a phone, memorize your lines, solve the Cold War. Okay, maybe not the last one. Maybe it's accepting that there will always be a trouble or two or many and making a podcast series. But it's possible to get through these troubles with a little creativity a little perseverance, and a lot of patience. That seems like the takeaway we should end on. Oh, and of course, we hope you'll consider supporting Radiotopia and all of our shows, including this one. Behind the Series is hosted, written, and produced by me, Mark Bagan. Audrey Martovich and Julie Shapiro are executive producers. Music from J.D. Sampson and Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to all the Radiotopia Presents hosts and producers who shared their production troubles with us. And thanks for listening to this special episode, part of our annual network-wide fundraiser. 
Our work is possible because listeners like you believe in independence and excellence and pushing creative boundaries. You can donate today and learn more at radiotopia.fm. And please check out all the other Making Trouble episodes this week from our friends across the Radiotopia network. Thank you so much for fueling our creativity and being a part of this community of listeners. Again, you can learn more and donate at radiotopia.fm. Лукомоги дуб зеленый, золотая цепь на дубе том, и днем и ночью кот ученый, все ходит по цепи кругом.